Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Hello, everyone. This is Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at Randall Rant, and you are listening to the Screen the Screener Podcast Team Preview Series. My partner Gus and I, we are previewing as many college basketball teams as possible. Our goals are high. We're talking about 100 teams, over 100 teams, but we're going at it, contacting beat reporters all across the country and getting you inside information to as many college basketball teams as we can find. We're off and running here so far. I started with the Kansas Jayhawks and Michigan State Spartans. Gus picked up the Butler Bulldogs as well. And tonight we are going to talk to Ben Bulch, the men's basketball reporter with the Los Angeles Times about the UCLA Bruins. UCLA Bruins, one of the most storied college basketball programs in the country. And this year they have a tremendous recruiting class. So today we're going to be talking about the versatility and potential of Chris Wilkes and Jalen Hands, who flirted with going pro in the NBA draft but decided to come back. The potential of a top five recruiting class across the country for UCLA and why the This is really a make-or-break year for Steve Alford. So Ben's going to give us a lot of insight here into the UCLA Bruins and really preview a team that, because they're on the West Coast, there definitely is an East Coast bias in college basketball, just from the time zones. A lot of those Pac-12 teams out there, Oregon, Washington, can be very, very dangerous this year, and that includes UCLA. Now, one other thing is that we taped this late on Tuesday night, and we just learned today, which is Wednesday, that one of the star recruits, Tiger Campbell, a point guard who Ben was very high on in the interview, who they were talking about starting and that therefore sliding Jalen hands over off the ball a little bit, tore his ACL in practice this week, and he is out for the season. So that is really a devastating hit to this program because on top of that, Sharif O'Neal, Shaquille O'Neal's son, also had a heart ailment discovered and he had surgery and looks to make a full recovery, but he is out for the year as well. So both Tiger Campbell and Sharif O'Neal both going to be out this year and that is news that broke on Wednesday. Ben gave us a ton of great insight into the Bruins here. Uh, His interview, there was a little bit of a connection problem during the first question there or so, so it's a little staticky, nothing we can control, but it clears itself up very quickly. So stay with the interview. Ben Bolch, LA Times, gives us a lot of great insight. So let's preview the UCLA Bruins. Please welcome to the show Ben Bolch, who covers UCLA basketball for the Los Angeles Times. You can follow him on Twitter at L-A-T-B-Bolch. Ben joins us to preview the upcoming college basketball season for the UCLA Bruins. Ben, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, before we begin, I am extremely excited about your book, which is coming out, I believe, November 6th, 100 Things UCLA Fans Should Know Before They Die. It talks about all the traditions, records, Bruins lore. You cover multi-sports, not just basketball, football, soccer. It contains crucial information, important dates, behind-the-scenes stories, which we love so much, memorable moments, and outstanding achievements for one of the most storied sports programs in all of college sports. This book sounds fantastic, and you must have had a lot of fun writing it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, everybody knows about the 11 basketball championships and Coach Wooden and, uh, you know, some of the things, a lot of the things that have gone on with the basketball program. But for me, it was just a real kind of dis- period of discovery to find out about some, some amazing things I, did, I had no idea about. Like uh, uh, there was once a, an alumni game matching UCLA against the University of North Carolina at Pauley Pavilion, I believe it was the summer of 86, and, and it was Dean Smith versus Coach Wooden. And they basically had players from five different decades of, of Star Heel and Bruin basketball going head-to-head in this just amazing game. 
Um, so things like that, you know, there's an eight overtime soccer game and a national championship, um, you know, some, some players in other sports. And, and one of the things that uh, really stood out to me was, you know, UCLA uh, is such a pioneering place. You know, not only do they, do they have Jackie Robinson, but they, they had the Jackie Robin, uh, the NBA still was the, the first black star. They had Kenny Washington who helped reintegrate the NFL. So, um, it's an amazing tradition and history of, of athletes and coaches. And it was an honor for me to really kind of delve deeper into this and learn a lot of fun stuff. Oh, absolutely. And and you talk about all the sports, like you said, soccer, everything, just the legendary behind-the-scenes stories of one of the best college sports programs in our history. So it's definitely a book I'm going to get. It's coming out soon. I can't wait, and I recommend all of our listeners get it as well. So let's turn our attention now to the, the Bruins, and we have to start with head coach Steve Alford. He's in his sixth season with the Bruins, and he's had his up and downs for sure. Uh, he's reached three sweet 16s, but you know he's had some downs as well. He had to take that ad out a few years ago, apologizing for an underachieving year. He has a lot of potential this year, Ben. Really could do some things. He's got a talented team. What is the current general opinion on Coach Alford by the Bruins fans? You know, we're out here on the East Coast, so you have the inside scoop. Is it really as important of a year as it seems to us who are outside the program, something that really could be a make-or-break year for Coach Alford? Yeah, I think it's absolutely kind of a make-or-break year for Steve Alford. I mean, if you look at the kind of – trajectory of the, of the way that Dan Guerrero, the athletic director, has handled his coaches. He's, he's generally kind of given them a pass year before making any sort of move and, and basically, uh, you know, requiring two bad years in a row um, to, to make any sort of ousting move. And you can make an argument that Steve Alford's already had those two years because they had the, uh, the losing season, which you alluded to, that he wrote the letter of apology to, uh, to fans for. And then last season, squeaky into the NCAA tournament uh, in a first four game where they lost to St. Bonaventure uh, in a six versus 11 seed game where clearly, uh, you know, people expected UCLA to win that game. So I, I think that Steve Alford, uh, I hate to use a cliche, but he's, he's, he's skating on some pretty thin ice right now and it is kind of make a break time for him. Yeah, I remember that St. Bonaventure game is very close. And, and one of the players that really was fantastic for the Bruins last year was Aaron Holiday. I, I thought he was so underrated nationally. Just an outstanding player. He could do it all as the point guard. Was a first-round NBA pick. Uh, there's eight freshmen and four sophomores that make up really the majority of this Bruins team this year. One of the youngest in the country. And certainly it will be one of the longest as well, because I think if I count correctly, there's eight players on the roster who are six foot eight inches or taller. Top returning players, of course, sophomores Chris Wilkes, 13.7 points per game, and Jalen Hands, 10 points per game. Junior Prince Ali is coming back as well. He started 22 games last year after coming off a knee injury. Wilkes and Hands both flirted with going pro, but they decide to come back and, and they give the Bruins a talented and explosive combination. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, that was that was huge for their prospects to get those two guys back because when you're mixing in such a huge freshman class, you need you need a couple of guys who uh, not only will will score some points for you, but become kind of those steadying influences that they so desperately need. So that really kind of changed the whole outlook for for this team. You know, I've seen some early uh, prognostications that have UCLA nationally ranked. Um, and I, I won't say that I know the national landscape well enough to say whether that's, that's accurate or not, should be accurate or not. But um, I know this team is brimming with potential. But to me, it goes back to, to, to two huge things that, that have to happen for this team to be good. And that's quick player development and uh, some solid defense. And I've got to say, based on what I've seen, this, my, this will be my third year 
on the beat, I have not seen, uh, you know, the, those two things working in UCLA's favor recently. I mean, obviously, they had the tremendous Lonzo Ball, TJ Leaf season where they were freshmen and probably the two best, best players on that team, but they were kind of ready-made when they got to UCLA. It was clear from the, from the first game that these guys were already highly skilled and developed. The big question with this eight-freshman class, a lot of whom are not nearly that skilled and ready for that kind of role is how much can Steve offer develop them uh, given, given, you know, that, that some of them are going to only be here for one season. And then the other thing that I mentioned was the defense, you know, they've not been good defensively since the first season Steve Alford was here. And, and that was, you know, primarily with players left over from the Ben Howland era. So Steve Alford's got a lot, lot to prove here. Um, and, and I think it all starts with defense. Yeah, and that length certainly should help the defensive end. You know, they, they can play a variety of defenses, do some things. They really disrupt, get some deflections for sure. They also have a big-time recruiting class coming in this year. Ranks, I believe, second in the Pac-12. I've seen it as high as third nationally, led by five-star McDonald's All-American Moses Brown. He's 7 feet, 210 pounds. Of course, in late September, we did receive the unfortunate news that Shaquille O'Neal's son, Sharif, who is a highly touted recruit as well, will miss the entire season after doctors discovered a heart ailment. It does sound like he'll return next year, so certainly thank goodness for that. Uh, but several four-star guys coming in, uh, four-star players, five-star McDonald's All-American. I think that's a pretty good haul. Talk about the potential of this young team and who you think can really step forward and make an impact early in the season. Well, I think there's there's a handful of guys. Uh, you know, you mentioned Moses Brown, um, I, who I'm very eager to see play. You know, I've seen a lot of five-star centers come in with, with that five-star, and, and they're actually not nearly as, as ready for, for prime time as, as that rating would suggest. So I'm interested to see where Moses Brown fits on that spectrum, because big men honestly take a long time, or I should say can take a long time to develop. So I want to see if he's in that category or if he's somebody uh, who's closer to, uh, as I mentioned earlier, T.J. Leaf and Lonzo Ball, who just kind of hit the ground running. Uh, but some other guys in the mix here, um, David Singleton, Jules Bernard, two talented wings, who I think are going to eat up a lot of playing time, could contend for starting roles. Uh, immediately, and then Tiger Campbell, um, who probably was one of the least uh, or the lesser heralds in this class, uh, but I think he could make a huge impact because he's kind of the um, he he he's really the guy I think could be kind of a glue guy in holding these guys together because Jalen Hands as talented as he is, let's face it, he's he's really a scoring. Uh, point guard uh, who loves to shoot and they need somebody who's going to be more of a distributor. Now, I'm, not, I'm not saying Jalen Hans can't do that, but based on what I saw last year, that's not really the way he likes to play. So I think Tiger Campbell's going to come in here. I could actually see him play a lot alongside uh, Jalen Hans and, and really kind of be the guy who gets everybody involved and gets the ball moving because that was one of the big issues last year, particularly when Aaron Holiday was off the floor, which, which wasn't a lot, but when it when it happened, uh, the ball really got stuck. So I, I'm eager to see whether they can use somebody like Tiger Campbell immediately to really get this kind of team-oriented approach that I think they really need to succeed this year. Yeah, that's a great point about Tiger Campbell. I mean, I think they need the scores to happen. And if Hans is a guy who can really up his scoring, I, I think that would give them a, a huge push on the offensive end. So if somebody else can get the ball in their hands more, it does free him up to, to do some more of the scoring. A lot of people who are not don't know the team as well as you do may not realize this is also a deep team. Jalen Hill, Cody Riley, who are four-star recruits, they're coming off a redshirt year. Of course, they had that suspension because of the incident in China. 
Uh, they have Alex Olasinski and Chris Smith will provide depth as well. I think Culture Alford has some people coming off the bench. I, a lot of the top teams don't necessarily have the deep bench that they have, and I think UCLA is going to be able to play, you know, eight or nine deep on a given night. Yeah, it's, it's funny that you, you when you're saying that, it's it's stirring reminders of this time last year when 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 Steve Alford was saying the exact same thing, and then they go to China, and the whole complexion of the season changes when the, when those two guys uh, or three guys, I should say. Uh, get suspended, and obviously Leangelo Ball left uh, shortly after there. But but they're not going uh, overseas this year, and, and I think uh, you know, I think they'll be on their best behavior. So hopefully, knock on wood, we won't see any sort of uh, of repeat scenario there. But you're right, the, the depth, uh, assuming everybody stays healthy and eligible, uh, is is very good. And I should uh, mention that Alex Olashinsky, who you who you listed, is uh, is actually going to be out for two to three months. He had a uh, a stretch fracture is right foot recently diagnosed. Uh, um, so that'll thin that depth a little bit. I don't think he was going to be a starter, but certainly, you know, a veteran presence uh, who could kind of be a guiding force. And I'm sure he'll still be around and, and help out in practice. Uh, but you're right. Uh, it, it, it's it's interesting uh, to think about some of the rotations they could have and how many freshmen are going to be starters right off the bat. You know, I think there'll probably be at least two, maybe three guys who are going to start as freshmen. Um, so it's going to be a young team. It's going to be a deep team. And, and I think they will try to stretch that rotation to, you know, as many as like nine or 10 guys. And that, that could be a strength for this team. You know, Ben, I'm curious. I'm looking at their schedule right now and, and I'm looking at the non-conference. You know, they've always played some very, very difficult games. It looks like they have a, a solid schedule, but not as overwhelming. I mean, they got Michigan State early on the 22nd, November 22nd. They'll have Notre Dame on December 8th. You know, Belmont's tricky at Cincinnati, Ohio State. Then they get into the Pac-12. What What do you see with their non-conference schedule? Alford's, you know, thoughts is, is this different than what he normally does or just pretty consistent with, with what he schedules at a conference? No, I think it's pretty, pretty consistent. I, I, I think that, um, you know, when I first saw it, I wasn't that impressed uh, as far as the non-conference play. But I, when I look at it and think about it, I, I think it's a, a pretty solid schedule when you think about, you know, they've, they've got, uh, some some more, some of those like little mini tournaments where they're going to play Ohio State, Michigan State, and they could play uh, either North Carolina or Texas. Uh, you know they got a home game with Notre Dame. They travel to Cincinnati. That's that's enough. You know, pretty pretty solid games to kind of show where you are. And I know everybody's kind of uh, using Arizona State's uh, you know season last year and how they started like world beaters and basically got into the tournament uh, based off of that after having a terrible Pac-12 season and. Um, so I think that was a real eye, eye opener, but I, I don't think that, uh, from what I can see, Steve Offer didn't drastically alter his approach to scheduling as a result of that. But I think there are enough games uh, mixed in with, with, with the likes of, if you know, Liberty and Presbyterian and some of these uh, games that they should win fairly easily to give a good indication of how good they are going into Pac-12 play. Uh, we appreciate it, Ben. This is my last question, then we'll get you out of here. But we, we do appreciate a few minutes. My partner and I, we call it basketball narcolepsy. We stay up here in the East Coast and watch all the West Coast games. But certainly the, the Pac-12 teams are, are teams that are going to make noise come tournament time. And, and it's been real strong. And, and certainly this year, you have a couple maybe different teams at the top that some may not expect. You know, a usually strong Arizona team is down. UCLA lost some players. Oregon is up there preseason. Washington, I think, is going to be very good. And UCLA is right there as well. So a lot of players returning for UCLA. You talked about the depth as well. A lot of pressure on Coach Alford. You're the expert on the team. Where do you see them ending up in the pack in the Pac-12 as they head out and get ready for the NCAA tournament? 
You know, that's that's a million dollar question, and and I I think that you know based on where the league is and and where UCLA is given given this kind of massive turnover, I could see them you know with with a top three finish. I'm not going to predict them to win it, but I you know you mentioned some teams like Oregon, Washington, and let's let's not forget about USC. You know they lost a lot, but they've got some, some solid guys coming back with a pretty good recruiting class. So. Um, you know, I think they'll be – I expect, you know, UCLA to kind of be where they were the last couple of years. They'll be, you know, in that around that th- third spot in the league, um, you know, fighting for an NCAA tournament burst. I don't think the league's going to be super strong this year that that would guarantee them to get in. But I think that, you know, if, if they can win a handful of those non-conference games that we just talked about, and I expect them to do so because they, they, they've done that in the last couple of years, um, that, that I think that they'll be in a pretty good spot um, to get into the NCAA tournament. Um, at that point, you know, all these freshmen are going to have enough experience where they're, they're not really freshmen anymore. And, and, and if UCLA's playing its best basketball at that time of year, you know, that could be uh, a little more dangerous and a little bit uh, uh, better position to, to have a, a better run, certainly, than they had last year when they went out in the first round. So I expect them to get into the tournament and, and, and you know, be playing, you know, pretty well at that point and have a chance to, to maybe go to at least the second weekend. Absolutely. A versatile and deep team for UCLA is going to be very, very dangerous. Folks, that's Ben Bolch, who covers the UCLA basketball for the Los Angeles Times. Please follow him on Twitter at LATB Bolch. And of course, please check out his book, which is coming out soon, 100 Things UCLA Fans Should Know Before They Die. Ben, we can't thank you enough for the preview here. Best of luck with the season coming up, and, and we look forward to touching base with you during the season. All right. That sounds tremendous. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. That was Ben Bolch, UCLA Bruins beat reporter for the Los Angeles Times, gave us a lot of great insight. We're going to review everything that Ben said and use that for some projections on how the Bruins season is going to go. But before we get into that, I just want to remind you that where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. So if you're going to put some money down on the games, college basketball, NBA, fantasy football, if you're doing it right now, the only place that Gus and I go to is mybookie.ag. We would never recommend this to you guys if we didn't use it ourselves. We used it last year. You heard about Gus's fishy lines, all the great things that we do. My bookie is the best in the business. They have in-game, live betting, over-unders, total fantasy points scored, crazy things like that. And when you get to college basketball, you can do first half betting, who's going to score the most, players. It's just a great place to go if you want to get a little more excitement on the game. My bookie is slammed with new bettors and they want to give the best service possible. So if you use the promo code SDS, that's right, go to my bookie, open it account, use the promo code SDS. They are going to match your deposit dollar for dollar 100%. So go to MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. Don't forget to use our promo code SDS. You create the account. They will match you dollar for dollar. Whatever you put in, you will get that as well in free play, and you can use that to really build your bankroll. If you talk about doing multiple bets, parlays, like three bets at once, you have three teams, you hear Gus's fishy lines during the season, and you want to go for three for three, they will give you $600 on a parlay bet of $100. So use the promo code SDS, go to mybookie.ag, basketball season's right around the corner, get ready for it, we'll give you the advice, when you play, you win, you get paid, mybookie.ag. We thank Ben Bolts from the LA Times for joining us today and giving us insight into the UCLA Bruins. This is a very big year for Steve Alford. There's a lot of pressure that comes with that UCLA job, and everyone is trying to follow the great John Wooden. And the coaches that have gone there, they've had sporadic success, 
but having the sustained success is difficult. You know, across the country, a lot of times, as I mentioned, the Pac-12 teams don't get their due because, quite frankly, with the time zones, they aren't as visible. So very rarely do you see people rave about those West Coast teams. Lonzo Ball came and there was a lot of hype with them and the big recruiting class there with Alford. But that was a team that lost in the Sweet 16. Remember, Alford has been there now three times in his tenure, three Sweet 16s. But that's just not good enough, not with the recruiting class he's getting. And they have a tremendous recruiting class coming in this year, but there have been some issues. We talked about Sharif O'Neal and his horrific heart injury, which thank goodness the heart ailment was caught. And it looks like he will be back next year. Tiger Campbell just got injured. That was somebody they were counting on as well because they really do want to move Jalen Hands off the ball. If you look at the returning scoring, they did lose Gorgie Goleman and Aaron Holiday and Thomas Welsh last year. So you're talking about losing about 40 points per game. So the only players coming back who had double digits per game were Chris Wilkes at about 14 points per game and Jalen Hands, who was close to 10. But their year last year, coming off the year with the great Lonzo Ball and all those guys there, you thought it would be a little bit better. When Aaron Holiday decided to come back, and if you just look, at their game log. I'm on their game log now on ESPN. It's incredible to take a look at. Holiday led their team in scoring almost every single game. Welsh led their team with 17 points in the Pac-12 semifinals. They lost in overtime to Arizona. And then you heard what Ben said about St. Bonaventure. It is so true. With the people who are in control of these large schools, their board of directors, your AD, your boosters, all those people, they go by, you can't lose to that little school. We all know St. Bonaventure was a really solid team. We all know that St. Bonaventure had great guard play last year so that it's it's silly to sit there and say that UCLA losing to St. Bonaventure is a huge deal. Both of them were 11 seeds. It was a playing game. But if you remember, there was Jalen Adams. There was Matt Mobley. They were fantastic. Courtney Stockard had a great game as well. But the fact is the UCLA Bruins, with all their history, that is a terrible loss to them, even though to the rest of us, we thought it was reasonable. Aaron Holiday was fantastic in that game, 20.7 assists, made four three-pointers, but that is a loss that cannot happen. So there is an awful lot of pressure on Steve Alford this year. And their schedule this year, their non-conference schedule is very difficult. Last year during the regular season, they started pretty easy. They lost to Creighton, 100-89 to there. That was a bad loss to Creighton. But they beat Wisconsin, UC Irvine, Cal State Bakersfield, basic teams. Then they ended up playing Michigan. They lost at Michigan overtime. I remember watching that game. They had that game from start to finish. Lost. Then they lost to Cincinnati at home, 77-63. Then they ended up beating Kentucky, 83-75. And then they got into the regular season. And when they got into the regular season, they struggled. Three losses in a row. Home Colorado at Oregon State, inexcusable, and at Oregon. Then they got on a bit of a winning streak. Then they lost at Arizona State. Arizona State certainly had firepower last year. They started off like a house of cards, which which Ben mentioned. Then they lost at Utah, at Colorado, which is always a tough back-to-back road game in the Pac-12. Gus and I talk about it all the time. So if you look at their schedule this year, again, they have some tough games here. They have Michigan State, which is a winnable game. That is a game when Michigan State is down. We talked to Chris Solari. You know, you have Ward and, and Winston and Langford looking to step up, but they lose Bridges. They lose Jaron Jackson. So that's a bellwether game. I think that Michigan State game on Thursday, 
November 22nd. That is a huge bellwether game for them because those are teams that both have a lot of talent back, that have a lot of questions, that lost some leadership, and we're going to find out which one is really better there in that game. Then they have Notre Dame, Belmont, Cincinnati, Ohio State. Those are tough matchups. Belmont is no joke. Belmont has scheduled up this year. They have a lot of solid games, Belmont. So that's a team that's going to be licking their chops, and that's going to be another game. If UCLA, with all their history and the boosters there, if they end up losing to Belmont, that's going to be unacceptable. But then you look at the Pac-12, and the Pac-12, again, is a little different this year. Normally, Arizona's at the top. They are not. USC is a team, certainly has talent, good recruiting class, but they've lost a lot. The teams that they're looking at right now, if you look at the preseason rankings, are Oregon and Washington. Now, you know I love Washington. Put it out there on Twitter. Talked about how I think Washington with Hopkins in the zone, all their returning players, they very well could win the Pac-12. I also like Oregon, but of course there's some issues coming down now with the FBI investigation, the court cases going on, who's getting money, did Bobo get money? So there's a little bit of a cloud there. UCLA wants to get offered some job security. They got to go out and win the Pac-12. You know, you look at the stats last year, they averaged 81 points per game, which was second in the Pac-12. They have no trouble scoring. The defense gave up 76 point for points per game. That was not good in conference, and that's got to be something that they have to improve. They have to commit on the defensive end, but it doesn't surprise me to hear that given the type of players that UCLA is getting. When you talk about a Kentucky and all the recruits that they get, one of the most impressive things that John Calipari does is he gets those kids to play hard, and he gets those kids to commit usually on the defensive end, and that's what I think offers challenges is going to be, which is really fascinating given, Alford, given that offer comes from Indiana with the historic things with Coach Knight and defense certainly is something that, that was a focus out there. But his team has struggled with that. Their field goal percentage on offense was only 7th. Their three-point percentage as a team was 38.1. That's excellent. That's number one in the Pac-12 last year. So this is what they're looking at. This is this is going to be a very tricky year for UCLA. It's a bellwether year for Steve Alford. I could see Steve Alford being fired. Absolutely could. You know, and if you remember that Alford has had some issues with getting his teams to peak during the NCAA tournament. I remember back when he was at New Mexico. It was 2013. The Lobos were 26-5 and in the regular season. They won the Mountain West regular season title. Alfred won his third Mountain West Coach of the Year. And New Mexico garnered Player of the Year in Kendall Williams. They won the Mountain West Conference. He was at a high. I remember seeing him with that team. They were a three seed. Remember this as clear as day. Back in 2013, he had the net around his neck. And that was a team that a lot of people liked. Mountain West, Alford, the, the history Lobo's regular season champion, Mountain West champion. Then they play Harvard, and they were upset by Harvard in the first round of the tournament. And since then, he has struggled. He signed a big seven-year, $18 million contract in 2013 following Ben Halland, who had some great experience there in UCLA. And when Ben Halland was there, it's funny. Ben Halland, not a flashy guy. He's out in Mississippi State. That's another team we're going to preview. I really like them a lot. Real fascinating. He got UCLA to three consecutive Final Fours, 2006, 2007, and 2008. But then after that, it's what have you done for me lately? You should think that a coach that gets his team, UCLA, with all their pressures to three consecutive Final Fours, you would think he'd have a contract for life. He lost a few years. 
than incomes offered in 2013. But all of a sudden now, with only three Sweet 16s and the ad he had to take out in the paper with a disappointing year, with this recruiting class coming in, which as we talked about is starting to get shredded a little bit. We have Sharif O'Neal. We talked about Tiger Campbell. They are not going to be eligible this year, so that's two major recruits. Olasinski, you heard about, is going to be out now for a few months. You heard that from Ben. So this is a UCLA team that had a vault full of riches that isn't quite as rich anymore, and I don't think that the powers that be are going to give him a long leash here. So a lot of pressure on UCLA. I think we're going to find out a lot. It really is a make or break year for Steve Alford. UCLA is the type of team that should do very, very well this year. I think if they finish top three in the Pac-12, that's solid. It's probably not good enough. I think they'd have to win the Pac-12. That would be a big step forward. If they won the Pac-12 and reached yet another Sweet 16, I think he'd be okay. Begrudgingly, I think he'd be okay. If they made progress and made an Elite Eight or a Final Four, of course he'd be okay. But what I see happening here with UCLA out in the Pac-12 is I see them with another third or even, God forbid, fourth place finish a disappointing run in the tournament, and Steve Alford could be let go. So there's a lot of potential. Chris Wilkes is a superb player. Jalen Hands can score. He's a creative guy. They have potential. Prince Ali is back. If Moses Brown can develop at seven feet, this is a team absolutely that has as much talent as anyone in the Pac-12. But Alford's got to coach it up, and this is going to be a huge test for him this year. So we appreciate it, folks, listening to the Screen the Screener college basketball team preview series please follow the podcast at sds myself is at randall rant my partner gus kearns at c kearns 12 follow us go to our youtube channel we have videos coming up there excerpts of these beat reporter series going up there with video screen the screen or college basketball podcast youtube channel and of course we always appreciate a five-star review and a kind comment if you will if you want more insight if you want some free gear as gus was talking about free merch if you will as his daughter was talking about become a patron of the screen the screener podcast on patreon Patreon. You get a shirt, you get access to us, you get private podcasts per week, and a lot of great other things coming up as well, especially with the MyBookie partnership and the Fishy Lines. We'll have some great stuff for you. Well worth the $6 a month. I can guarantee you'll be happy with that. So Screen the Screener Team Preview Series rolls on. We got them coming out fast and furious. May have two a day. We may take off a day, but stay with us here. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it. You will enjoy it. UCLA Bruins, Steve Alford, make or break season.